0: club and you ain't in it full of psychopath who believe in eugenic it's an evil club and you ain't in it full of psychopath who believe in eugenic
1: it's an evil club you ain't in it all right welcome everybody this is the reality Czars podcast and I'm your host Nate and my co-host Tony hello and we've got an awesome guest on today his he goes by lb. Uh, L.B., do you want to introduce yourself a little bit and tell people where they can find you?
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. Um, I am the mind behind the Binawake Project for Better Sense Making. You can go to Binawake.com and subscribe to my sub stack there. That's my main distribution point for pretty much anything I do. Um, you can go read my new essay at thepostlibertarianmoment.com, where I talk about the post li- er, yeah moment.com, where I have my essay, The Post Libertarian Moment Defined. And then, of course, you can find me on all social media at the LB Muniz.
1: I like it, man. So I like also that you're the type of person that throws bombs and pisses people off because I like to think I am, too. Uh, I'm a little bit autistic and retarded and a little libertarian as well. So it's all good.
2: <laughs> but I repeat myself, right?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so I heard you on Pete Quinona as a show, and it was definitely a, uh, a brain buster and I think that's why I like Pete Show so much. Uh, the first time I was introduced to post libertarianism was uh, when Matt Erickson's first uh, appearance on there, and that broke my brain pretty goddamn good. And uh, it was great, and I needed it. Um, and then, uh, so I've talked to him, and then I've talked to. We just talked to Andrew from Popular Liberty as well. Uh, smart dudes. Um, I'm really excited to get to talk to you, man. Um, I'm here for it. So. Tell me a little bit about uh, how did you become a libertarian? Like what was your how do do you even find any of this goddamn (laughs) horseshit?
2: Well, I think I'm somebody who's interested. I've always been somebody who's interested in ideas. Right. Um, And I think there is a correlation there between people who kind of end up being libertarian. Um, There's there's definitely a correlation of people who enjoy talking about ideas. And part of the part of the times we find ourselves now is that libertarianism is almost like becoming more popular than that. Were people who aren't necessarily like singularly focused on ideas. Like I'm willing to read abstract economics and abstract philosophy for the pleasure of it. Like it's it's moving beyond that, and I think that's some of what we um, what we have to deal with. But I, I really start the story with um, with my grandparents. My grandparents and and my my family, my upbringing in general was very American focused, um, in a very positive way for like the American experience. But in particular, my grandparents on my mother's side are from are, are refugees from Cuba. And so, having that anti communism um, flavor inside of it, I, I like to call that like my inoculation. And that was when I kind of left to go on an intellectual journey, if you will. I very, qu- I knew that I wasn't going to become a Marxist. And so, the question was, and in, in fact, the question in some respects was, how do you defeat communism? And what's the best means by which we can defeat communism? And, and so, like, so that has a lot to do with my, like, I, I think my, who I, the intellectual I became versus, um, but not necessarily like a conscious thing, right? This is me reflecting back and kind of creating a story on it. So I discovered libertarianism first by reading The Road to Serfdom at 18 years old. Like I said, beyond just the um, beyond just the standard, like oh no no communism, right? For me, it was about the most freedom. And somebody said to me once after the twenty during the 2012 election that libertarianism had the most freedom in it. Um, I found out that this guy F A Hayek was part of this thing called the Austrian school that this guy, Walter block was a part of. And, you know, he was then critiquing Milton Friedman. And I was, you know, I, I just, I, I, always was part of like the free market school. So I think when I finally became fully politically conscious, if you will, uh, that's when I chose the name libertarian. And just to, just to kind of point out like there, the, the, what I wrote this week, um, cause I'm doing a series of, uh, I'm, I'm repurposing my essay on my newsletter at been Um, there really is no post-libertarianism going on right now. What we really are, what we what we're really seeing is a moment of a certain po- of a certain strategy not working. Moreover, um, I think this is only the, the the reason why a lot of these flare ups are happening is because people are trying to take political strategies in in particular. So I also I, re- I made i made sure to mention just as a qualifier that kind of like hey, this is a whole area that I haven't addressed right it's not the case that everybody has to take political solutions onto themselves but for the people who are it's basically do you want to do what everybody's done a popular democratic solution the way that the progressives want you to do it or is there a better approach and i think that's really what that's really what like that's that's the what in post libertarian in the post libertarian moment because there really is no there is no new set of ideas here it's people re- reasserting Uh, It's people questioning their assumptions, as the case may be. Everybody's on a slightly different path here. Um, But I think part of the through line has to do with political action, which I think is in part why you guys have me on.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I I think a lot of whatever you would want to call like voluntarists and agorists, they probably started from maybe a conservatarian sort of place. uh, And then they went and, you know, joined the LP and got, you know, probably, uh, you know, realize how fucking stupid the LP is. Uh, And then. Uh, you know, went further into autism, I guess you'd say, and uh, went deeper into like anarchist philosophy and different things like that. And these guys are smart and autistic and stubborn and probably think that they're fucking. So anyways, people that are trying to rethink strategy that they feel they've already like thought through and they've rejected and things like that. I think that they think they're above it or something, or that it's an interesting flavor of people that are, They're triggered and angry about somebody that calls themselves a libertarian is rethinking some of the things and the thoughts that they've had and are trying a different approach. And it's just unfortunate because like I still got lots of love for my voluntarists, my agorists, all my all those friendly, funny, autistic fellows. But uh, I just I want more unity between all of us because we all do want the same thing. And I like that you guys are trying a different approach.
2: Yeah, and you know, and like and we're all connected, and, but we're each kind of doing a different thing and we kind of came to things um, you know, from from a we 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 approach it from different angles. Uh like like me personally, I'm fine if I have to move beyond the label libertarian, that's not going to cause an identity crisis for me uh because my identity is built up far more solidly than that. But that but I don't think that we I don't think that libertarian I think libertarianism needs a software update. That's the yeah. best analogy that I can use. And The thing about analogies is they only they work on an in group. So for somebody who is open minded and willing to listen to the things that you know myself or other people might have to say, that kind of questions some dogmatic elements about libertarianism or a certain or really certain strains of libertarianism. We might we might say Um, for people for people like that who who it it hurts when their identity is so captured up into it. Any little change is gonna is is going to. any little change is going to cause it to question because like, you know, for example, I, I mentioned the whole thing with like my family, like my like who I am as a, I like to say the last thing I am is a libertarian. And I believe this is the way for everybody. What I actually a lot of what I do have been awake is I try to explore the idea of identity. I think it's important in our day because in a lot and in, in many respects, we've been stripped of I- historical identities. Um some for for the some for the better some for the for the worse uh, so like I approach things from a very philosophical angle like a skeptical angle if you will and I've tried to explore in particular this like this thing called identity for a long time and that kind of that kind of led me to hear as far insofar as like unity unity comes at a cost every you know we we understand this very well that everything is gonna have a cost and a benefit to it and so the cost of and and you know you're gonna have to exclude somebody for it as well. And I what what I've done recently, what by kind of taking some shots at agorism, is kind of point out how for some people, so much of themselves is wrapped up in an idea, and that idea, I frankly believe, is out of date. Like having an explicit anti-politics stance, I don't think works in the world post 2020. I think an anti-politics stance makes a lot more sense in the world after you know in in this in the status quo after World War II when it really wasn't consequential, um, and that's really been at the center of my critiques of agorism. And you know, I have other I have other aspects of it of just in general. I'm not a dogmatic personality, and so i I, I like to make I like to kind of poke fun at those types of people because it's very easy because. The dogmatic mind creates these rigid categories that can never move. And of course, ideas are actually dynamic. They're not rigid in their nature. There's no fine lines to ideas the way that there is this like little remote control that controls the lights that are are in front of me here, right? Like this is very clear lines and very clear separation where, and and we don't have that with ideas, but for some people, they, they feel like that is, they feel ideas must be that way. And, you know, and you can trace it back. You can trace it back to, you know, the scientific revolution with the rationalists and the empiricists, but the rationalists in particular, who thought, well, just these deontological categories is all we need.
1: Yeah, I see. A, I see it in a lot of people that are, I guess, that are too married to some identity that they've created for themselves, and it's it's funny how we pretend that we're hyper individualists, but then we demand conformity. And these, like, if you're an agorist, then you have to. Abide by this. And it's just goofy, man, because I couldn't I can't imagine one person that I know that I say that I think has all the answers or is right all the time. So if I'm supposed to just take everything that, uh, you know, Samuel Konkin said as like God's law. Then, you know, it's just goofy. Like, Samuel Konkin was a fucking genius. The same thing is, like, with Rothbard. Rothbard got a lot of shit wrong, too. I like Murray Rothbard. He got a lot of things right, and I think that you need to be able to pick and choose and really, like, decipher, and like you said, maybe agorism needs an update. Um and I'm, I'm a weirdo, dude, so I'm going to piss people off right now. So I do consider myself an agorist, but I also consider myself a post-libertarian. That'll piss people off. I also consider myself, like, a in. I also consider myself a panarchist and a bottom unity guy. So I'm really going to piss off everybody. Like, my best friend's an anarcho-communist. He's my best friend. Uh, and we disagree a lot, but we have good conversations, too. Uh, so I'm here to piss off everyone, I guess. But... <laughs>
2: Yeah. Well, you know, that's uh, ironically. So maybe, maybe you're low in agreeableness, but high in openness, right? And there's probably, there's probably a correlation there too, as far as like what kind of a message you find, uh, you find interesting. And and just personally speaking, that was a huge insight for me. I think in my, like, you know, when I was in school, I, I, in fact, I can remember this is one of those things that has come back to me as I've thought about it is I can remember being in like a psychology 101 course and, I was, I grew up interested in behavioralism, right? Like I was that kid that read all the FBI stuff about like, about like profilers. And I thought it was so cool the way that you could profile serial killers and this idea that, you know, like humans are creatures of behavior and you can like notice the stuff always interested in, to, always interested to me, interesting to me. There we go. I can speak English. Um, and so I can remember being in a lecture and, and asking about it. And the guy was like, yeah, like some people were into that, but we don't really do that anymore. And he was he was into, I, I, it'll come to me, but it's like some like super, I don't even remember the school, but it was like conscious based, consciousness-based or like positivity. Some kind of, a little, something a little more, we might say woo-woo for the purposes of this conversation, just to like move beyond it. But the point being is he completely dismissed in a psychology 101 course because he had no interest in it. To where I, it took me another eight years before I realized that that not only was that not true, but there's an entire lexicon of science built around it that you can actually put yourself in. Now, you want to disagree with behavioralism as an approach, like, fine, we can have, but, but like, let's make sure we're having the right conversation, right? My point here is only to say that I find, um, I've always considered myself a student of human behavior. And I think, I think for, I think, I think for libertarians, I've made the point that I think libertarianism is an accident of the internet Um, because a lot of us, a lot of us just have that like nonconformist sense to ourselves, if you will. And it's very easy to be like the one nonconformist in a group. But if you have an entire group filled up with people who are determined to be the most right about something, whether or not, um, whether or not they actually are right. And there's no clear way of delineating the hierarchy except through, I mean, basically what I've done is like, Suddenly, you're following people who, yeah, do take the words of someone like Samuel Conkin, who I'm sure is a very good person. Seems like it, enough enough people who I respect like him to where I should like pay attention to him. But I think his writing style is inherently dogmatic. I think it was entirely his purpose to to create that kind of a following and to be and to be frank, again, I think some I don't think it I don't think it fits the bill. I mean, he, I believe. Correct me where I go wrong. That it, you know those things these. Most of that was written in like the 1970s to the 1980s, mm-hmm. and I think, um, you know, I think moments in history define the world that come after it, right? And we've and we thought that 9/11 was going to be it. Turns out we got Trump and then COVID two years later or four years later, right? And like the what the the response to the pandemic and how that's going to play out at a global level is not over yet. And is going to completely redefine the way the world, the way that the fault, the way that the Twin Towers falling are go- redefine the world.
1: Well, you know, what's funny is I think about like those autistic libertarians right now that are holding on to every single fucking word that Murray Rothbard said, and either, uh, you know, left Murray Rothbard or late right wing Murray Rothbard right They're in their fucking little camps or whatever. And like Samuel Konkin or whoever the fuck it is or whatever Mises said, um, like and they're assuming that they would know what Murray Rothbard or Samuel Konkin would say in 2021 or that they would hold their exact same positions right now that they wrote in this book in 19 fucking 82 or something that mm-hmm. that Samuel Konkin would say the exact same thing today and i'm like how the fuck do you know that you know <laughs> well, <laughs> like,
2: they don't but somebody's going to pretend to speak for him to exactly. be an authority right so it's I mean, it really just comes back to this whole question of, of like w- of the hierarchy and like where do these ideas fit in the hierarchy? I said on the episode with Pete and I'll say it here just to be just to, just for consistency sake. huh? Um, where like but there's plenty of good in like trying to not work inside the system and trying to create your own mutual aid networks and all these like positive after effects that are part, like, like yeah, part of agorism, but also part of like the voluntarist community or really just really just good people at large. Right, because there's kind of just something to that where communities help each other, and that's kind of what they're that's what they're supposed to do. Um, so, like, it, it's not to say that there isn't good in it; it's to say that the particular strain, which I am clearly, you know, clearly we're not having that kind of conversation. So, but the particular strain that is going to make it their i their their sole purpose in life to dissuade people from even considering running for political office or even considering supporting somebody, or even considering voting for somebody that they like in their town. I just don't, I've never, and, and and moreover, and moreover to conflate that with a moral act, this idea that you by casting a vote are an immoral person. I find detestable, I think, and and moralizing, as I wrote this week at beenawake.com only reinforces an in-group. So all you're really doing is making sure that your followers stay true to you and don't, like, think outside of the box at all.
0: I think what you're saying, like, there's truth in that, that, you know, there was a cult being built up in that way. But to play devil's advocate, we are in this really new moment. None of us have been here before, like, t- 2021, 2019, 2020. Like, this has all been weird fucking years. Mm-hmm. And when you put people in this much uncertainty and in such a novel environment, people are just going to go back to principles and really attach themselves because like, I don't know what to do in this situation. Right. Like that's like, like there's not necessarily a roadmap that's been written yet. So we have to make that map. So I feel like there is a kind of inevitable process of people going back to, you know, the dogma of it, if you will, or dogma or principles, depending on how you look at it.
1: Sure, I'll throw something out, out there too. It's like, um, I get people that are moralists. Like I even I, – I totally understand the voluntarist, uh, their mindset. I understand where they're coming from. I understand the whole argument that like me voting for a ruler over someone else is inherently immoral. And I philosophically, I actually think they might be correct. Uh, it, it's the same thing with like Christians might think that something is immoral. But guess what? you can shut the fuck up about it and just not participate yourself. Like the worst, most annoying fucking Christians are the ones that try to tell me, what I, you know what I'm saying? It's like that's great. Well, you think that, that good, that's immoral? That's not the
2: mark of a good Christian.
1: <laughs> what you have to go um, proselytize, I guess. Right? Or well, what? no, no, no. <laughs> you can, you can. I
2: mean, like the Bible. No, but like when Jesus, yeah. when Jesus sent his apostles out, he told them to like go into a town, say that you know, you know, my peace upon this town, and if the town rejected him, to shake the sandals, to shake the dust yep. off his sandals as he left. Right? Like yep. that's what you're supposed to do. Um
1: uh, so not the very to, nature of them tearing other people down and attacking other people that are trying something different just makes you an asshole.
2: Yeah. Uh, but I mean like people <laughs> could levy the same people could levy yeah. the same charge at me for the things that I've written. Right. Like some of it is also, I think, I think it really is just this competitive, this competitive nature. Um, I, I think, I think, I think to the point you met, you brought up Tony about that this, that these times are new. And so people are, are going to return to something. I think that's accurate. And I think one difference that we see is how far back people are willing to go, right? And if as far back you're willing to go to look for a solution as 1970 or whenever it was that somebody like Samuel Conk because frankly, I'll disagree with the point that voting is an immoral act, like only under your morality, right? Mm -hmm. That doesn't make it the morality, right? Oh, are we gonna gonna say that there's only one? I mean, I'm fine with that, but like, I don't think that the agorist morality is gonna win. I think, you know, something like the Christian one might, if we're gonna try and choose one morality, that's the best style, (laughs) And I, you know, we can, we can get into what that might mean. My point though, is I think there's something to be said for how far back you go. And I don't, and I, you know, I would, I would share that. I would share that concern of like what the roadmap looks like. And it's why I started my show. It's why I started writing on a regular basis. I've tried to get myself more stable in my career, make sure that I can be a better person that can like handle the, handle the storms to come and, you know, it's funny. You were saying like we don't have the roadmap. I think that's true. But what you don't have in the road, if you don't like, but in the wil- in the wilderness when you're exploring, you should have a compass, right? And and like the compass can still guide you. And so while we might not have a map laid out before us, we can still return, as you were saying, to these ideas, and we can use those things as a compass. Well, I like to say I'm directional. I'm not destinational. So what my the work that I try to do is more about trying to push people. Nudge people a little bit in a direction, you know, make the stream go a little bit one way or the other, as opposed to having this rationalist idea that I can construct this beautiful reality that will be if only everybody agreed with me. That's that that's that's the other difference here as well that that that's coming out um, that, that I think comes out. And again, like I, it's a specific personality type too that reacts that reacts very sharply against it to the point of this cut where, you know, right now we're having a very pleasant conversation, even though I may be saying things about people that, you know, you guys have, have a high degree of respect for.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what are, what are some of your solutions? What, like, what, how are you working towards, uh, and what are you looking for? Like
2: solutions in what respect?
1: So um, are you working through any particular like political party or are you – do you have like a strategy? Do you like – do you just vote straight Republican or are you working through the LP at all? Do you – have you looked at the Mises caucus at all? Like I mean do you have any –
2: I did. Um, so yeah. I talk about that a little bit in the post libertarian moment to find the essay that I wrote. So I definitely, I, I definitely joined up with the Mises Caucus for a bit to see where the whether the LP was worth taking over, uh, or whether it was possible to take over the LP. As I said on my interview with uh, Mark Claire on Lines of Liberty, and also whether it was worth taking over. I think it is possible, but I don't think it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, to that, to me, that pretty much only leaves the GOP as an avenue. I live in Illinois which is not a Republican stronghold by any stretch of the imagination. My personal path right now is much closer to that of the nomad um, where you know I spend a lot of my time on the road as it is with my job currently, and I'm trying to make sure that I am in a position to move should I need to. Now I have the benefit of being single and having no children, so that's a much easier that's a much easier road to me for me. I think the other road is to make sure that you're just an up upst- you know you're a good member of your community. Yeah. And and it's really and it's really connecting to that localism that we all talk about. That's to me, that's always been the common denominator between the libertarian of the libertarian approach is that decentralist um, ethic is that decentralist mindset. Um, so to the extent to the extent that I was even willing to operate within the LP, it was only going to be at the county level or below as far as or, or, or lower as far as helping people. So, you know, my personally for me, it's about writing it's about trying to bring a give a voice to these ideas in the best way that I can and to make sure that I'm in a position to move should I need to, maybe live in different parts of the world to see to see what kind of works for me. Um and but still find but like with the intent of trying to find a place to set down roots. Uh so like so that's my that's my personal path. I think gotcha. what I talk about in the prescription is, you know, it's it, it's the Jordan Peterson message of clean your room. It, it's it is the it's the wealth, power, and influence model that Jason Stapleton talks about. It's some combination of those things where you try to make yourself into the best type of person that you can be, and that doesn't mean you make a million dollars a year. But if that's what you want to do, go for it. Like I have no issues if I end up making millions of dollars. Um, but it's not. But I'm not necessarily. I'm not necessarily like chasing the buck for the buck's sake. And I think if you do that, that's 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 where you go wrong. But if you try to, you know, shoot for this, if you try to get as far as you can and be, you know, build the best life for yourself, you can. I think I, I'd like to think pretty much anyone can end up in a better position than they have. Certainly, I've had that experience in my own recent, my my, my own the own, my, my 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 recent history, my past few years of trying to put these things into practice for myself. Of um, it, it just to be like to be simple about it, like you know, like financial help. Like I I was, I was one of those kids that I was one of those guys at a 20, I had like a maxed out credit card for no good reason, right? And I fought most of my twenties trying to pick, and I have a ton of student debt and I've spent, and and rather than wallowing and believing that everything is slavery, right? That we're all just, we're all just in this form of slavery, which is what the agorist nexus posted as a, both a sequel and a prequel to the article that I dismantled there was basically explaining this moral ethic where we're just all slaves under the system. I could spend my days lamenting the fact that I'm a debt slave because I have, I am that statistic that has a ton of college debt for like not even a philosophy degree. Cause I didn't quite, I didn't quite finish. Um, I could wallow, I could lament or I could get off my butt and I couldn't figure it out. Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm doing well right now, but at least I'm not having the debt collectors call me every single day. Um, and it's, and, and, I think the times that the times that we live in call for that. I think, but I think every time calls for that. Going back to the point of the compass versus the finished map.
0: That's interesting. Go ahead, Tony. Yeah, I like that. I like this idea. I feel like a lot of times politics draw like that, it takes that energy that we could be using to improve our own lives. Yes, is just some kind of grand cause that, and it just basically diffuses your power and it does that on the mass platform and. Even causes that I completely agree with if they're doing it in this some um, kind of trolly way or like I, I get that where it's like you're a debt slave. Like, OK, yeah, I am. But, you know, there's other ways to look at it. Like that's the most disempowering perspective you could possibly have. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, exactly. Or like, you know, like being scared to check your credit score. Right. Like what I learned, you know, they, they always ran those commercials for those things like turns out your credit score goes up 20 <clears throat> points. It's like, yeah, because once you pay attention to it, you realize it's something you need to it's something you need to fix. Um, one of the first lectures I watched of Jordan Peterson was before he it was one of the ones he had up before he even really became a, a, a phenomena, but it was talking about this, um, the story of like the dragon in a house. It's this like kid story where the kid sees a dragon and the, and he's t- talks to the parents about it. And the parents just say, he does it, the dragon doesn't exist. And the dragon gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it takes over the entire house. Until f- and so finally, the parents notice it. And once the parents notice it, it becomes very, very small. And that's like an that's an allegory. That's an analogy to our problems, right? Our problems. See, and I'm you know like I'm <laughs> I'm not preaching. I'm not preaching from on high here, right? Like these are lessons. These are hard won lessons in my own personal life. But it's like when you don't look at an issue, when you don't look at a problem, it's really easy to dismiss it, and it can get bigger and bigger. Now to the point of political action, I don't believe in the popular democratic message in this regard by any stretch of the imagination. And in fact, I talk about in the essay that I wrote that I see the divide as being between those who want to take political power and those who want to make a political statement. And too many people who are claiming to get engaged in politics right now are only interested in making a political statement. And you don't need to be engaged in politics if you want to make political statements. Just look at every celebrity, right? You don't actually have to be you don't have to be thinking that you're running somebody for office. I don't think the people who are looking to just make a political statement deserve the top of the deserve to be at the top of the, the heap in this regard. Right. I don't think that's the best path forward if you're trying to get engaged in politics. I encourage people not to be if you don't want to be like, it's not like I'm trying to recruit people, you know, maybe for some dollars at some point in time but i don't i don't want i I know what these i know what these organizations can do and if you get if you go into politics with an open mind or rather if you go into politics naive you're going to get crushed underfoot and so you basically either get so far in that you have to um that you just become like a husk of a, a husk of a person because you've had to like You've had to bend your morals too many times, or you just become completely disenfranchised and, and, you, leave, and you leave the system. So my, my, I don't think anybody's talking. I think what's important to remind people is like, this, isn't, this path isn't for everybody. It never has been, right? Like what we're all called to do is kind of be good, I think, be good people, right? If you go to school, they're going to talk about you being a good citizen of the world. And, I, and when I was in school, I always made the point of, I'm not really interested in being a good citizen of the world. I just want to be a good person. I want to be a good man as best I can. Um, However, that however that plays out is, you know, a a deeper conversation. But to the point is, like, I don't think that everybody should get involved in politics. And if you are, understand why. And if you and if you realize you're just going into politics to make a statement and you're not interested in taking power, I don't think you're serving the good and your talents can probably be used elsewhere.
0: Other than like very local political positions, do you think? I mean, because to me, like, once you get into, like, even a mayor position or, like, beyond, like, a county, like, maybe a mayor, but, like, it'd be hard to really see someone actually caring about that community because it's so big, it's so detached from them. If you're like governor of a state, it just feels like that's just a giant landmass. Like, how can you actually care? So,
2: yeah. And I don't think that, um, I don't think that the community that I'm speaking to is going to be taking over a whole state okay. anytime soon. And I don't think that's a problem. Um, you know, we might, we might get there, but I think, I, I think, um, in, in the main, you're correct, right? If, as you get bigger and bigger, you're going to care less and less. So that's why I do think it should be targeted at the town at the town level. If if that's if, again, if that's where your path is. You know, you got somebody like Andrew with his Mises GOP, you have the LPMC, if that's the route, if that's the route you want to go and to the extent that LPMC guys are like serious about taking political power, then I support them. I just want to I just want to move away from this idea of just because we're going to make a good political statement, that means we deserve all the respect and adulation that would come with like actually winning a political election. And, and I say this as somebody who's currently not running for office. I'm not helping anybody run for office right now. So I can get how you might, how, how you could like, you know, if my, if my critics want to, if my critics want to take me out for that, they're, they're more than welcome to try. Um, but I'm just, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to speak with the, with the knowledge that I have. And that involves being in a state like Illinois, which is pretty much screwed. And to, you know, see the way politics works in Illinois, which is a machine. Um, and, to that and then to like be involved and like get involved and I met the LPMC guys are great I really like them a lot of the LP people LP people were nice I liked them but when you walk into a room and the expectation is you are going to lose chances are you're going to lose kind of going back to that mindset thing we were talking about before is you can you can you can get stuck on the fact that you know you're just a slave in the system but then how much of that mindset actually then turns you into the slave? It would be my contention that your mindset has more to do with it than uh, than anything else, and the Stoics would back me up.
1: That's fascinating, man. Um, yeah, I've got I have buddies obviously in the LPMC, and then uh, I love Andrew. Andrew's fucking great, and I do like to see that uh, they're actually starting to work together now. And I, I, at least the guys in Florida are working with Andrew the LPMC guys and trying to do little things, which I think is great. Um, and I got some friends in the LPMC that like are legit trying to take over, uh, little things here and there and trying to make like small changes here and there, which promote Liberty. And and to that, I say, good job. That's awesome. But you're in
2: Florida. Um, You're in a state that's already doing really, really well, right? So it's, uh, just just to, just well, to put out the point, Florida is doing about as good as any state right now.
1: It, that is one of the downsides that I see to like Andrew's strategy and, and Andrew, like we just talked, I think, three nights ago or something. Uh, yeah. And we just talked about uh, how this definitely would not work in a blue state and why it won't work in a fucking blue state. And so yeah. it is. So it, essentially, like myself, I live in fucking Oregon. Uh, which is a blue fucking state. Like, we're mini California out here. Um, and the counties out here are actually red. Most of the state is red. It's just those piece of shit little, t- like, Portland, Eugene, Bend. I think that's it. Those three, But not even Bend, really. It's Portland and Eugene make this whole fucking state blue. Um, and so, like, I moved, actually, to a little rural county out here, And I've got a little bit of freedom out here, which is nice. I don't have to walk into a store with a mask, which is fantastic. The rest of the state, Mm -hmm. you have to. Um, So there's little rural counties where I have uh, a sheriff out here that says he's going to be a constitutional sheriff. And he's not going to enforce jab mandates or face masks, which is great. Um, But uh, that that is the fucking downside, right? And so, like, what do you do besides do we all have to move? You know what I mean? What, like, what is the answer? Like you're saying that they're just kind of honking their own horn. They're, they're doing, they're doing something in their own state that uh, already agrees with them, I guess. Right. How, if I don't, if I don't you know. already,
2: It's not that you're honking your own horn. I'm just pointing out that Florida in particular is, you know, one of the better States right now. Right. Yeah. So, you know, and to the extent that a LPMC guy can gain power, that's awesome. Um, that's I, I, but to, to the question of whether you should move, is is clearly a personal decision and not and in and, and to make a blanket statement would be beneath would would be beneath me. And not beneath me. That's not the right way of putting it. It's it's like I'm not here to tell everybody how to live their life and to everybody's got to move to Texas or Florida tomorrow or else. Or else you're not a libertarian anymore. That's not that's not what I'm interested in doing. And it's not it's not within my temperament really to do something like that. What I would say is you should be ready to move um i think i think speaking to you know prior generations and specifically you know we started this conversation with me mentioning that my my, my grandparents were refugees and you talk to people who 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 escaped communism or nazism or whatever and they kind of say that energy is in the air again if there's like there's like a feeling to it and i think I think um, I think we're all just trying to figure out we're we're all we're all in the same process of like trying to figure out what the next steps are. I do think that will mean moving for a lot of people and a lot of people who thought it was going to be okay to build your life inside of a inside of a a deep blue enclave in a state like Washington or Oregon or Illinois or Rhode Island or wherever else or Florida or anything. Okay, so Florida would be a bad example, but like Michigan or something else. The other side of that, though, is you just said you moved to a, you know, to an area where it's okay. There still are these pockets. Same thing in Illinois, right? Most of the most of the blue politicking in Illinois is because of a place like Chicago, like where I grew up was mo- where it was a mostly Republican area. So it's um, it's I, I don't know I don't like that, that's I don't know exactly what comes next, but what I have seen, what I do, what I do think politically speaking is the LP is not the route forward. That that I I think I think we know enough to see that, and that really comes out. That comes down to just the structure of the United States, right? Like if you take a political science course, they'll talk about this of how like that's why the Westminster model. You tend to see more political parties, even though they still have to form into coalition governments. So it's basically the same thing, right? But like you can get your flavor a little bit better. But even in even in a um, even under a parliamentary system like can- in Canada, our neighbors to the north, who've had a far worse time in these lockdowns. They still voted for the Liberal Party. They still voted for Justin Trudeau, right? It, like, there was almost no change to the government. And, and, and that's telling. That's – so when we're – so I think to the extent there should be any strategy, it is at the local level. But, yeah, maybe yeah. people have to move.
0: Do you feel like there's any value in making a political statement? I feel like so much of this is cultural. And if you could change the culture, you automatically change the politics. And how do you do that without some degree of propaganda?
2: Yeah. Oh, for sure. Right. And, um, I think that's, that's actually a great point because I would say my, my, my position is more like what's on top of what, like, clearly I'm interested in making political statements. I make them all the time on my show. I'm just not operating in a political party and saying that I'm doing the same thing. Right. I'm a guy with a podcast. I'm a guy with a podcast and, and, and a Substack where he tries to write about things and tries to explore them. So yes, of course there is, there is a place for propagandizing. There is a place for, um, there, there is a place for just talking about the ideas. In fact, that's what I want. That's why I do this is because I like talking about ideas. Um, I have just also understood the importance of strategy. So yeah, there is, there is definitely a space for making a political statement. And certainly a part of that space can be in a political process, right? Like obviously a politician is going to make political statements as the case may be. Um, my, my point there is, is, is a matter of ordering of like what comes first, what comes second. Right, not that it's the best thing in the world, but it's but it's what the it's what I it's as I say it's at what I think the times call for, if that makes sense. But I'm I'm happy to be pressed on this.
0: Yeah, I'm just curious.
1: How. So. Why I still consider myself an agorist is because you're saying like, what do you think is the most important or what, you know, whatever it is to me, agorism and, and in the same way, why I think agorism might be the most important, at least in my opinion, it's the same uh, it's, is the same ways that it's similar to the wealth power influence guys um, mm-hmm. is that for me, agorism is like the most important part is the counter economy. Um, and so it, and, uh, the community. So, like, we've got a pretty cool community out here. Um, and as far as like, I don't need to, or I attempt to, not depend on a store. Things for as far as like, I've got chickens out here. We we got a garden out here. We're trying to be as independent as we can. I try to know, uh, like, my wife's family have pigs. We can kill the pigs. Like, we we try to. I know other people that are doing other things. Like we try to have like a co-op kind of mentality where uh, we don't necessarily need to use the U.S. dollar. and We don't necessarily need uh, to use the U.S. structure, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, I think that um, as independent as we can get people to be and as people as um, self-reliant, as we can get people, then the need for government shrinks, and uh, and just people have more power and authority in their own lives in that way. And so for me, that that is like that's why agorism is number one for me mm-hmm. um, in that way. And I think that's the same sort of basic idea with the will of power and influence, guys. They're like the more. Uh, responsibility you take over your own life, the more money and power and, you know, whatever influence you have in your own life, then it gives you that independence and you don't like, and so I don't know. I think that there are similarities in that. And I think it's too bad that there's infighting between them. Cause I think they have a lot in common.
2: Well, but the infighting yeah. goes, the infighting goes one way to be fair. Right. It's, it's not like, it's not like I woke up one day and just decided to start taking shots at agorism. In fact, I did a very friendly podcast to agorism back in January. It was one person writing a really dumb article and people writing more dumb articles about it and like taking me to task for something that I didn't even say, refusing to quote the words that I did say, refusing to put them in context, refusing to, you know, refusing to take the case as it was presented, um, and of course they're going to disagree with that, right? Like if, if they're listening, but that's kind of what happened because it, it like it is it's not that it's not that it's not that like the wealth power and influence guys would I would count myself one of them. There's plenty of girls in that too, as the case may be. But like, um it, like it's not that the wealth power and influence guys are sitting it's like no, it's like people people come out and they say, Oh, you shouldn't make money. You you should feel bad. You should feel bad for having skills that that net you a high income. Okay, dude. Are people before. really saying that? <laughs> yes, that's that's specifically the conversation I've had with this segment of agorism multiple times. Well, Is I think always,
1: people I'm going want to, to officially say it right now. Uh, you're a fucking loser and an idiot. Whoever wrote But that's wrote the, thing. That, but that's and the they, thing, right? Let's dismiss those people and not
0: take them seriously from now on.
1: That feels like a
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole point of agorism is to cultivate yeah. skills. Yeah. To, to yeah. Cultivate so skills. Those, yeah. What have a side hustle. Make system, money. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, sure. But like
1: agorism also is about having a side hustle. It's about like trying, attempting to do as much as you can under the table. Like I have a fucking full-time job. I definitely have a full-time job where I work my ass off. I also am doing lots of other little shit in Minecraft to make money where i don't pay any taxes on. It. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah.
2: And that's and that stuff's great. Like yeah. there's ain't nothing wrong with that. I think um I I think I think well I think you know that's fine if we're just going to label people like this losers that's not really that that's you know that's that's only mean to them yes. I guess a little bit but Fuck but again them. they're the ones they're the ones taking the <laughs> shots right? You're the <laughs> one saying that if i You're by the way if you're going to agree with the morality kind of going back to something we talked about before yeah. but if you're going to agree with the morality that running for office and you know, you claim, you claim the title libertarian, you claim the title agorist that running for office is per se, an immoral act is an immoral thing. Then that means your morality means that Ron Paul is an immoral person.
1: Uh-huh.
2: And, if any, and is, this is, this is a very easy against me argument type of thing, right? Where if the strictures of your dogmatism of your myopic sense of morality, put somebody like Ron Paul, as an immoral person who by all accounts seems to be a decent, a decent man, maybe certainly not a perfect man, but who amongst us are right? Like a decent person. And, and you know, you're going to say that that person's immoral and that's, that's like, we're requi- and you're the person who's sticking to this strictures of like this very rationalist method of thinking. And, and I'm trying, and like the dissonance that happens there is because people is because, you know, it, it, people have their identities wrapped up in these things.
0: Yeah. I think that's true. I feel like, like, I feel like that's a purism problem in the agorist movement a little bit, and I think some of it's just internet, where it's, a, it's this new thing, and it's being expressed in the internet in a way, and the internet finds a way to distill everything down to its most essence form. But the reality yeah. is, like I know, I don't know anyone who's living purely as an agorist, and I think it's one of those things where it's like, if you can incorporate it more into people's lives... And like, mm-hmm. if you can get more people to incorporate it a part of it, like everyone has a side hustle that brings in 10, 20% of their income. Sure. But this, cult-
2: changes. yeah, sorry. and sorry to cut you off, but this, like, you know, you point, you made mention of like the cultishness before, like this cultishness is actually bred within the ideology that Konkin came up with. Right. Because what's the whole idea is you have to be, it's the virtue of consistency and we have to create the counter economy so that the agora can flourish. Right. With like, and like, only to be a little rude the agora as a like the, the agora meant means open marketplace right I've been to the agora in Athens it was built by the governments of Athens like it's so it you're it's this reimagining of history which is endemic of an ideology that's not really concerned with um that that has like good pers- like has good elements to it i'm not I'm not denying the good elements I'm just trying to point out that that it's not that I don't think it's a purism thing I think it's I think it's Inside of the ideas themselves, at least as far as I know them, I could be wrong, but, you know, I've read an agorist primer, um, you know, and I I get and I can get a flair for I've gotten a taste for the way Konkin writes and certainly the way his adherents talk about it again, you know, the present company excluded.
1: Well, so, I mean, I think what makes me a good agorist is that I'm a bad agorist. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, I look I've never looked at it like a fucking these are structured principles that can't be broken. I, I honestly, like my goal at some point is capistan. I love that. Uh, and I. the only thing is that it won't ever exist and it can't ever exist, but we can try to get there as close as we can. Well, and so I use, sure. I, and I'm I'm gonna. I'm still autistic. I would love that. <laughs> so I look at, I use uh, agorism as a strategy to try to get there as little by little by little. And I don't yeah. use it as a, I have to follow this every fucking line, every goddamn letter. Um, I, I don't know. And then maybe that's just how my brain is structured anyways.
2: Well, that, that's actually where I was right. going to go a little bit too. Right. Is that you, you know, it, it is, there is something to that. Our personality that's baked in at birth. Um, I, you know, the only, I, but I have issues with utopian thinking, right? I, I really do. Um, it's not, it's not my method. And it's kind of, and I think it's one of the reasons why we can run into so many issues. Now, it now my way of thinking has its own shortcomings, right? But it ha- but to the point is, you know, if if we're trying to build towards something that can never be, then what are we actually building towards? We're building towards a, an impossible future, right? This is, um, I think, I think building towards like the best future we can have in the moment, and and that's a far better goal. Or like you know. I'm going to get land where I can raise that sounds really cool to have chickens. I I really want chickens. <laughs> they just seem like fun. Yeah, like, they're great. You know, but, and it's it's like, you know, but like doing that kind of stuff is is really cool. And I don't think you, you know, agorism might have been like the spark for it. I'm just trying to I'm just trying to point out that inside of it I think there are some issues. But I will preface that. I will I will qualify my statement by saying like I'm not here to take anybody's identity away from them because that's like that's 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 too much. I'm if anything I just want to try to ease people out of very rigid categories of thinking. I'm far more I'm far more interested in that than trying to take something away because, like, listen, if if it works for you and you're not hurting people and you're and I would, uh, you know, and you're not like calling me an asshole on the internet because of my positions, right? Or like claiming that I'm close to the Nazis or something like that. As long as you're not doing that, we're really we're really not going to have an issue. Um, at the center of uh, at, at the uh, a lot of my thought circles around this, what I call the paradox of identity, because I think, I think this concept that we have of identity has a pair has paradoxical elements to it because this conversation is prevalent. We're like I'm making a lot of associations with agorism that are negative. Some of are positive, but a lot of them are negative. You guys are taking a lot of positive associations with the idea of agorism and you're, and you're kind of in your, the, the negatives are farther down on your list, but, we both recognize that there are positive negatives, we just kind of disagree with what the positives and negatives are. Excuse me. I think that's the paradox of identity. I think I think that's what makes identity paradoxical is because we can have a word and two people can either two people can have completely different understandings of that word in the same language, with the same meaning and the same you know, understanding the same definition. Yeah. And um and, and, and what you what, what that creates when you recognize this paradox is you basically have you can either you know we can try to have a reasoned conversation where we part as friends and like oh okay you know like oh this guy makes me think about things a little bit differently and you know maybe maybe i'll just be a little more careful when i make that argument in the future and not just call everybody a blood-soaked monster because they voted in the last presidential election like that's that's really all i'm asking for here it's not it's yeah. not a high bar
0: well it's so funny too because the way that we identify stuff is often just the last person we met who held that identity yes. and that we value judgment on that. So it's like, yeah, if you want to spread agorism, be a good act. Ag- like, you know, like you were talking about being a good Christian or whatever yeah. it is, like whatever it is, be a good, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Don't be like, I'm an agorist. Here's all my shit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, 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 don't write articles t- saying that Ron Paul is an immoral man because he was a representative. Did or, he? Like, you know, it's like, did they write that? No, it's an okay. it's 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 implied. Yeah,
1: it's basically implied,
2: yeah. because because in, oh. even in the so in the original article that I did respond to there was a carve out basically that was saying like even Ron Paul who was such a moral man couldn't change anything. It's like and again like I you know I I not to like I have a lot of respect for Ron Paul I'm kind of using him a little bit as a from as a bully pulpit kind of tactic here so you, you know like I'm trying to say like hey we all think this guy is cool, right? So why are you saying that he's not cool because of what he did, what he dedicated his life to that probably got you interested in these ideas to begin with?
1: Yeah, well, I love using Ron Paul against the LPMC, too. I like to tease him with it because I'm like, uh, because their whole identity is trying to reignite the Ron Paul revolution. And I'm like, well, Ron Paul was a nobody when he was running for the Libertarian Party and would have gone nowhere if he hadn't run as a Republican. And (laughs) yeah, yeah.
2: And again, like that's the strictures. And and certainly Just I, I'm i a dick and I
1: liked it,
2: but I think, but I think it's, it's an apt criticism. And here's, here's the point I would use to bolster that a little bit, because I, again, this was me a year ago. I was in the position of the LP makes a lot of sense. The LPMC is the way to go. I joined up in January to try and figure it out. And then now here we are like almost a year later. Right. But like the point I wanted to make was it's not that, um, oh shoot, I lost it. The Ron Paul movement, Ron Paul, Rob, oh, running Trump, like some of this, okay. some of this is just, some of this is just a a, fun, a function of our system. I was somebody who thought that the Republican party was beyond saving under, under Trump. Right. And like, you know, Trump didn't suit my sensibilities. I, you know, I think he was, I think a lot of the worst things about his, about him as a president are overblown, but like, you know, still, still wasn't my cup of tea. Right. You know, I can, but I, un, but I have done my work to try and understand why people voted for him rather than just dismissing them and calling them evil blood, blood soaked monsters. So I understand that better. And what I have been, what I am delighted to report is that a lot of these Donald Trump people feel really disenfranchised by Donald Trump. They feel as though the man has abandoned them. What does that mean? That means the Republican party of the future is not so solidified. Right. And, and this is this is the point to, again, for the people who are interested in this, what what's the better use of your time? Right. This is this is honestly one of the thoughts I had was like, OK, so if I'm thinking about taking this political direction that might end up having me like rather run for office or run a campaign or, you know, something, you know, consult or whatever, whatever. OK, if I do this within the LP, where am I in three years income wise? I'm nowhere because I'm not making money. Right, it's a labor of love. It's something. It's people take pride in the fact that they're not making money from it. Whereas if I just decide to become a low-level Republican operative, I know some people. You know, maybe I know a couple of people. Maybe I get on a campaign. Now I'm, you know, maybe I'm not making great money, but I'm making a living, right? And yeah. and they're because the infrastructure is already in place. So, in part, that's another data point that I think isn't talked about yeah. enough. Where I do think, again again, if you're interested in this, if you're not all, you know, I have no issues if people want to, again, just, you know, build your, build the counter economics, make that counterculture. The cultural elements of this is super important. Culture is a whole completely different area of like what I like to talk about and why I want to talk about ideas and talk about philosophy. And that's really what I do with my show, Uh, you know, in this process I call sense making, which is like an amalgam of stuff, including news analysis. So like, but, but to the point is, I think, um, I don't think there is, I don't think there is far gone. And, the The school of thought that says that each that each person who votes Republican is just as culpable as Dick Cheney for the terror wars is is an ath- is, is is something else that I am going to be taking to task because it doesn't work. Sa- the same, by the way, like I'm more interested also now in going after the corporate libertarians, and I'm going to start doing that more in my work. So you guys can kind of follow that. Like the reason yeah. editors who the reason editors who apologize for the regime, you know, the people, at, you know, the pe-
1: fucking losers. But it's yeah. you know, but it's
2: like it's so you know, that's that I'm I'm more interested in punching up. So that's what I'm going to start doing again, or doing more of and I think punching up is, is accurate for the LPMC for the record, because they built, they built a big infrastructure and not lest I lest I be accused of saying that they those people are doing the wrong thing. I think they just should stop bother taking over the LP and just start running people for office. Yeah, the, the infrastructure is already there have somebody like Angela McArdle writing bills and writing legislation that you can bring to your county legislature and be like, hey, we want you to adopt this. And if we don't, I'm going to get a bu- I'm going to get a bunch of moms that are upset at the fact that their kids are being told that, um, you know, that, that their kid that their kids are being told uh, what that they're just awful people, awful human beings, like whatever the case may be. Like, I- I'm going to be back here with those moms and we're going to vote you out like (laughs) we're going to get you out of office or we're going to close down the school district or stuff like that. Um, And, and, and the, then the reason why that matters, by the way, is that you can't go into politics thinking it's an honest game. You just can't, you're going to lose if you think that it's honest. It's not.
1: (laughs) No, you have to be ready to play dirty. Which is interesting. And I think that that is one thing that a lot of libertarians aren't ready for. And I think that that goes against their sensibilities that they would actually have to get their hands dirty. And I think that we have to start looking at this more like a fucking game. Uh, I think that that was a realization that we had actually, and me and Tony have been talking about that. And then I listened to the Matt Erickson episode and that's like was like the last fucking straw on the camel's back was just that, that we've been in a game of fucking monopoly this whole time and that the government has been running the bank and have been cheating us (laughs) the entire fucking time. And we don't even look at the rule book. Like we are just, we're just getting fucked in the ass. We're holding on to our principles and, uh, (laughs) You
2: can go back because I've been writing for, you know, most of my life, right? You can, I can, I can pull up and, you know, maybe one day I will, I'll pull up things that I wrote about. I see my old Facebook statuses back when I used to post on Facebook and the memories when Dude, I, check I was it. an SJW it's, and like, it, it's so
1: cringy.
0: Oh, see,
2: I'm just Jesus. talking about saying, talking about why <laughs> Gary Johnson is a better choice for president.
1: Oh, like, I voted it's, for Gary. Goddamn now, Johnson in, 20, in 2016,
2: 2020. I did vote <laughs> for, um, I voted for Kanye. Uh, and there's okay. a, there's a high right. there's a high there's a high likelihood that I'll vote for Kanye again in 2024 for the presidency. That,
1: you know uh, what? I'd rather you vote for fucking Kanye than Gary Johnson. So, yeah, well, that's
2: what but, but people ask me, like, why did I vote for Kanye? It's like because it's far more interesting, isn't it? <laughs> like
1: <laughs> all those because, fucks. Let her speak. Joe Jorgensen. Come on, Joe Joe. Uh, I'm like, Shut. But like,
2: but the serious reason why I would vote for somebody like Kanye is because he's a visionary. Like, like yeah. you might not like his vision of the future and there's plenty of reason why you wouldn't, right? Like, I'm not saying it's perfect, but he's somebody who's interested in the future and, and like, we're living in a time where our leaders are on in the last years of their life, right? Like we're li- we're it's archetypally speaking, I would say, but in reality, we're just being led by really old mother efforts. Like these people are in their seventies, their eighties, and they claim to have knowledge. Right, like it just it goes against everything we know about human
0: nature. Well, the people have been solidified for so long; they're not even like some people are old, but they have a youthfulness to them. They're learning new things. I yes. mean, Trump looks like an older version of who he was in the '80s. Biden looks like a more senile version of who he was in the <laughs> '80s.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you just kind you kind of end up being the same person, right? But I think, um, you know, like, but like, you know, I'm sure if you guys have people in your life who are like in their '70s and '80s, like hopefully are you know the worst ones are the ones who don't recognize that they need help and that things are slipping right and then and that that's when things go wrong but you can still be very active and and with it but also like understand your limitations and i think and i think when you de- when you're dealing with politicians who have like like you said solidified their power over 30 years like they're not going lim- to they're not going to recognize their limitations and like basically you've needed the me too movement to get most of them out of power vis-a-vis the Cuomo's right like this is the this is the excuse to try and bust these people out of power so that we can get, you know, the right faces in for the new because we've already done all this cultural work to try and create this like new face that needs to take over.
1: Where do you see the direction of the country going? Do you think that we're we're due for a hard reset? Like do you think we're gonna swing back radically to a more right wing society or do you think uh, do you think we have some more SJW Leftist nonsense to go, or
2: so in that in that vein, right? That specific vein of of um, I think so. Something Jordan Peterson talked about was that the right is very good at drawing boxes and boundaries, right? That, like temperamentally speaking, the conservative mind is a little bit more attuned to that, right? Like higher in orderliness and you know lower and lower in trait openness, which is like the which is like the under undergirding biological temperament. Or just temperament in general, right? It doesn't It's not strictly a biological thing, though it's largely influenced by it, I would argue. I think, um, but what he talked about was like, so what we're seeing with the left is that the left just isn't good at drawing boundaries, right? I mean, like, it's, it, you know, I don't know how much of it is an effect of Twitter or how much of it is actually going out there, but... You know, like some of the stuff that they're trying to teach kids I, I really think is a problem um, you know not to open up a whole can of worms but the whole critical race theory aspect the queer studies uh, and, you know like James Lin- James Lindsay talking about things like that um, and it, like it like the, the underlying art scholarship is actually like not good from my perspective and I'm mm-hmm. and I'm happy to defend that claim but so to the extent I think that the right the American right, which has never really been allowed to exist is realizing that the, they thought the constitution was the fence. And what they're realizing is that there's no fence. So what we're going to, what we're going to see what can happen, what, what, what might happen is the right might try to build the fence again around the left. And in fact, I think some of that is necessary. I I mean, it's yeah, without getting without getting too far into it. But I think I think some I think I think that's might be what we see. We might continue to slide down because these power structures are so so well developed. It could be it could be that it, it it's forced to a calamitous halt. I don't know. I, I have this sense that things won't really get as bad as they have in the past for you know, it won't be like the Great Depression per se, but I think so. I, sorry, I'm. 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 Like, it's yeah, tough for me to yeah. talk about the future because I'm not really. I don't really think about the future. But I think, um, not that I don't think about the future. I don't try to. I don't try to tell the future. I think for people who aren't prepared to weather a storm, your house is going to get destroyed. Yeah, I think it's this. I think I. I think that is that is very key, right? The person who, the person who's going to cling to their conken and just pretend that, you know, and just say that it's all about the counter economics. It's all about the counter economics. We don't need to worry about politics. Like we can just all you have to, all you have to do is say no, man. All you have to do is say no. Well, listen, I say no a lot in regards to like the masking and stuff like that. I, I'm not perfect with it. Uh, there's still moments where I put it on because, be, because I have to. You, you understand, like because I have to get somewhere for work, or because this customer won't let me in unless I do, and I got to make money, and I got to make sure this business is secured. So like, it's all well and good to say you can build the life for yourself that you want, but we all know that's not true, and we're all going to have to figure out. Where, and so the political case, I think, is just guarding the flank. Um, I'm, I don't, like I said, I'm not, I, I, I think 2022 is going to be, this next year is going to be the bellwether with the, with the midterms. I don't, it'll be interesting to see how much, how many seats the Republicans can take back um in in the house at the federal level even even though i think the federal level is largely symbolic at this point but it'll be it but i think i think that'll be the key that you can kind of see what direction things are going because currently if we take um there's a there's a piece i wrote about uh is liberty popular i think is the headline but it's like you know like the recent the recent uh recall election in california and the and then going back to the election, the snap elections in Canada as well. Both of those are pretty big data points that like people's allegiances haven't shifted that much. And in fact, I think to the point you were making before, Tony, of like because the times are so uncertain, people are digging in to those preconceived notions as hard as they can because that's what they have to hold on to. So if we see the republic if we see the Republicans be able to take some take some power back in the House or maybe even take it over, I think there's I think there's interesting and like potentially dangerous things that could happen, and my pitch is that why can't some of us be in those positions to make sure things are steered in the right in the right direction?
1: Yeah, no, I I, I can see that. Um, it's it's going to be fucking weird, man, because. I get I am disillusioned basically with the Republican party. So I I honestly think that the Republican party is going to take back quite a bit. Like uh, I one white pill that I see is just how thoroughly unpopular Joe Biden is. Like even among Democrats, he's his fucking numbers are just in the Can I put toilet. a little
2: pepper with that salt though? Yeah, yeah. Cuz like part of that I think is because they're letting us feel that way. Like I think you know like we've started to see the headlines shift on CNN. In regards to Biden, of uh, you know, yeah. like to where like like you you're allowed to hate this president, right? Because we need to because he's clearly uh, you know he's clearly failing mentally. So and and like by the way, I agree with you. Like it's good to see. I just you know there's like that cautionary part of me that's like okay, how much of this is just like yeah, everybody kind of knows this guy sucks, but we all knew he sucked when we voted for him. We just knew he wasn't Trump.
1: It's now. In the allowable talking points. Yeah. 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 No, yeah I agree. Yeah. So we'll, I agree. we'll see. Uh, mm. y- you know, the one that was just unpopular to begin with was fucking Kamala Harris, which I think was one of the stupidest things they did was attach her to his hip. Um, or maybe it's not. I mean, I, I get conspiratorial. So I don't know
0: exactly what the game plan is. Like, I think the main job of the vice president is just to be unlikable enough to the person who would assassinate the president – <laughs> <laughs> that's true no. man yeah that's life that's, insurance like the right there person, yeah that's a main qualification yeah. like
2: yeah, Trump, you keep we get your <laughs> of course we're not thinking about that fbi um no well, and like, here's and here's the interesting part right because we can we can look at the democrats as a monolith but of course we know that they're not right so if we're going to do a more sophisticated political analysis we see clearly there are elements within the democratic party that are that are that are that are behind buddha judge and behind Uh, Harris like those are the two those are the two people that you kind of see being being like put up like they're the ones with the most with the most fire behind them um, for 2024 and beyond and I think I think somebody like AOC is also on a path like this AOC is on a path somebody yeah, but Stacey she's obviously abrams far younger sure than them stacy yeah. abrams is, is once 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 in on the action so like we'll see maybe if she teams up with a buddha judge so now you have a buddha judge yeah. abrams ticket going after the kamala harris trying to trying trying to usurp the biden presidency after see, he people
1: you know. don't look at stacy abrams enough but she's like a she she's gonna be our fucking president dude i'm telling well ya. she's done nothing yeah. and she's still around right yeah like, yeah, yeah yeah no that <laughs> yeah people need to keep an eye on fucking stacy abrams that bitch she's going to be around for a minute and
2: uh well i think and i think um you know unless i be accused of just focusing my direction my, my in one direction like that's the thing conservatives need to get the fuck over is is thinking that these are just well-meaning politicians and gosh darn it don't they know that if they raise the debt ceiling we're just gonna have more debt like like this this like this belief in their stupidity like no these people are very good like they might see, like uh, someone like like a Sheila Jackson Lee, okay, you got me. But like a Nancy Pelosi or a Stacey Abrams or even a Kamala Harris, as unlikable as she is, she got to where she did. She got to where she is for a reason. We know what Kamala right? did. Yeah. <laughs> so like but but to the point is she still got there yeah. so it's like so so t- i think i it's it's sun tzu it's the basic thing don't underestimate your opponent and that's the th- that's mm-hmm. that's why the that's why the republicans keep losing and that's why i think libertarians stand a chance to actually change things is because we understand very well because we're armed with this knowledge of what the state actually is we understand just how awful these people are
1: yeah so sure. That's interesting, man. Yeah. And so I think the best thing about Donald Trump and maybe the worst thing about Donald Trump, but I think probably the best thing is that uh, he kind of woke up something different and like kind of woke up uh, the right wing populace, um, which is, I think, fascinating, which is exactly what the Republican and conservative establishment didn't want. Mm -hmm. Um, They wanted the old boomers that uh are stupid and do think that oh by golly and uh, they think if we just give them a little bit more money this time we're going to outlaw abortion you know we'll get rid of roe Ooh. v Wade. which i don't know that is that did that get decided yet
2: no that <laughs> won't be uh, you might have the supreme court's not going to rule on anything i think until next mm-hmm. year i could be wrong about that but usually that's the way they're. Uh their system goes, the case gets there, it gets presented there are or, you know, all the, all the work is done beforehand. You have the oral arguments and then they usually, they usually release stuff in uh, June, unless it's a special case.
1: Interesting. Okay. Yeah. We have to but wait this, till June. I, I, don't, I don't
2: know. I don't know whether the recent challenges are part of that or wh- where that comes out. So I, I so I would encourage people as uh, like, there's it's, um, like SCOTUSblog.com or gov is a great resource for, for Supreme court stuff. There's a few different places you can go. Uh, but I haven't been following that too too closely.
1: Well, the one interesting thing is that they have recognized as Texas law. They've uh, their abortion law. and They said, "Yep, go for it. It's fine," which is yeah. fantastic. Uh, it's really. interesting. I really yet. don't
2: see. I, I don't see. I mean, you know, you can quibble with the week, um, but I, I think just to the point of how how absurd the left has gotten to, right? Uh, of of the political left is like you know. I when I was in high school there, there was all the rhetoric was safe legal and rare yep right and I'm like uh, I'm 29 so for 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 reference points but like you know like it was all about being safe legal and rare and now it's shout your abortion like I saw a freaking TikTok and I know yeah, it's one know. TikTok but still you guys probably saw the same one where it was like a TikTok with like a bunch of ornaments like praising abortion and I there's there's like my, my thing with that is I don't believe in worshiping death. And I think even if you are going to, even if you're going to say like, look, you know what? Sometimes people make mistakes. Sometimes you have to like, sometimes people have to make really poor decisions. Like, I think there's a difference between that and like the shout my abortion rhetoric that people like, like even, even, and I don't even like talking about this issue because it just divides people. And I think, from i think uh practically speaking it's useless to have the conversation as a man um so that's why i'm more than happy to rely on the countless scores of women who have beautiful arguments supporting the pro-life position um but like it it just uh it's one of those issues where it's kind of like yeah you know what it's a good it's a good bellwether of where we are right it's like you know what guys we're not even going to pretend anymore we're not going to pretend that you care about safe legal and rare abortions you want people to get one all the way so you know what How about a heartbeat? How about when a heart, how about we we focus on all the contraceptives that we can, right? But like, you know, when that, if that baby has a heart, then it's a baby and we're just not going to do that here anymore. And and I think that's, I think, I think it's, um, to your point, that was the big national story, right? This national, and, and, and and Tony, to your point too about how politics ruins people, right? It's like this national chase of like, oh, well, this time we're going to stop abortion, right? It's like you, 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 you can ease if you're, Led astray by these people who aren't interested in actually changing things, they're just interested in taking the power for the power's sake. Like, of course, they're not going to solve abortion the same way that they're not going to get reparations either because it's too useful a thing to campaign on. Well, it's an incentive structure thing. I
1: find it fascinating. Go ahead.
0: Sorry, go ahead, Tony. (laughs) No, what (laughs) just that was it, man. Sorry, go on. (laughs) Oh, I was going to say that, uh
1: I do find it funny that this is being brought up right now, like at a time of the like this fucking country is like it's dry tinder, ready to go up. And then this is being saw, you know, saw right now by the Supreme Court. Like this is done on fucking purpose. But this is just people like people power, flicking matches.
2: Yeah. If they were interested in things being calmer things would be calmer yeah and that's where that's where i try to bring like a level head as best i can even though i can get really impassioned about these things i try to take that out of it when i'm doing my analysis because i know that's i know they want you to have an emotional response Mm -hmm. but that's that's like a clear thing as we saw throughout 2020 with the rioting and the looting and even just the good protests that were happening at the same time it's like if they wanted things to be better they they could be better like they could they could do a better job of like Getting rid of the violent elements that come out as soon as the sun goes down in these in pro- these protests that turn violent every single day in a place you know like the p- Pacific Northwest, like they could yeah. and they're not. And why aren't they? Is you know that's 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 up for speculation.
1: Yeah, no, and uh, I think that it, it's very specific the different things that they're doing right now to So division and keep us fighting with each other. Um, I mean, you can look at Kyle Rittenhouse, um, which was okay. I have my opinion on it. It was clear fucking Mm self-defense. I don't see how you watch the video and see anything else, but you'll have the media up there calling him a racist fucking murderer and things like that. And then, so, and then making the narrative for the, for the opposition and giving them a, a a reliable narrative to have and and a respectable one. Because Don Lemon told me, you know what I mean? Like, uh, And uh, it's it's done fucking on purpose, man. Project Mockingbird, the fucking CIA through the fucking media. The, I swear to God, it's done just to fucking sow division to keep us at each other's fucking throats.
2: Clearly, yeah. yeah. And I think I think enough of us are starting. I think enough of us are seeing through it. Um, and uh, so you know, we just we just keep keep up the good fight. You know, it's yeah. this is um, it's something that. At the end of the day, it's just about you know making yourself a little bit better tomorrow than you are today. This is a Herculean thing that we're talking about here, right? If we're talking about overthrowing the system. That's that's another reason why I don't like utopian thinking is like I'm not pretending that everything's going to be okay. I'm not even pretending that I'm going to be okay for the next five to ten years. But I'm going to try my hardest, you know, And like and, if, and as long as I do the things that I know I have to do, let the chips fall where they may.
1: You know one interesting thing is I I think about sometimes too is how much of the libertarian infighting is fed influenced as well and I think sure. quite a bit of it I don't know about the losers the loser actors but well, maybe the, it could be but <laughs> well you know it could be
2: probably not but probably like not. you know but also like the same infighting exists within the republicans you know this is something funny because it's like oh you know I just said, like like what does the dude who like lives on welfare in Alabama and votes Republican have to do with a Donald Trump Jr.? Like almost nothing, but they're both Republicans. Right? Like this idea that we can't have allies with people who are like culturally different than us is 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 dumb. Um In in my estimation. But there but the Democrats have just as much infighting. We just don't see it because we're not plugged into it. And we don't and we also don't see the same distinctions that they do between like progressives and socialists and like, you know, and then like the what whatever remains of the liberal guard in in the Democratic Party. And then the same and you know, Republicans, clearly you have it between the populace and the establishment. Yeah. Right? Like you it's a very clear line that you talk about in the Republican Party as well. But it exists in the Democrat Party too. What they what 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 having the political party does and a political party of consequence one that actually can one that one that can actually do it is it gives people a reason to coalesce around something because we are creatures of consensus we are we are creatures that are trying that are always trying to make some kind of a consensus
1: so yeah yeah man that's interesting that's fascinating uh we're rounding up here well, we're a little bit over an hour. i have got to go eat uh, dinner with the fam. Uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed this conversation. I'm going to try to catch up on your sub stack so we can have a, a more, uh, a better conversation. <laughs> next hey, time.
2: You know, I, <laughs> I like to say I write so that you can. I, I, so I did like a when I started, it was like a huge process of kind of reteaching myself how to write, um, like to not try to act like a 20th century philosopher because nobody wants to read that anymore. So like just making stuff like I, I like to say college was the worst thing for my writing career because I feel like I write so much better now and so much clearer because I focus on simplicity and I'll get into some heavier topics. But like most of the stuff I try to write, it's like I, I, I try to time it around like, you know, you're morning, you morning constitutional. Like it's, 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 it's something, a lot of the stuff that I put out gets just in like little clips, little snippets that it's something that probably takes you five, 10 minutes to read in the, in your morning or at some point in your day. And then like I do the podcast where I try to, where I like go through those articles and then I try to provide more context, more analysis to it. And then I do deeper pieces like, like you can find at post libertarian com. So it's just, you know, kind of, kind of a little bit of everything, but so yeah, if you, if you didn't read the essay, it's going to be released over the next like i think i think up up and up through february because every monday it's just going to be a different section that i had inside of the essay awesome um, so that people can check that out but you know yeah i'm happy happy to come back on any time and then i do uh i do like twitter I, i'm trying to do more with like twitter spaces because i like that medium so you guys should definitely look for uh those and we can you guys are more than welcome to hop in on one of those so awesome
1: cool. man well we I appreciate that. your time uh tell everybody where they can find you again one more time what's the name of your podcast
2: been awake it's been, the awake. been awake podcast for better sense making i am your host lb muniz you can go to dot subscribe with your email address uh, and find me all on all social media at the lb muniz m-u-n-i-z
1: awesome brother thank you again take care